Hey guys, this is Socratic Hobbits, where we ask big questions and then try to answer them. Please enjoy. You want to talk about why I thought that we should be um, a bunch of anarchists, if that's to recall. Why you thought that was moral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why anarchy is moral. <laughs> no, why, uh, I think actually it was why there is no biblical warrant for, and in your phrasing, uh, why why there's no biblical warrant for government. Yes, yes. Which, um, if you listen back to that episode, I definitely do not say. Okay. And I definitely don't think that. That's good, good. I, I was disturbed when I heard that. You didn't, I don't know what what I said that made you think that though. I don't know. I definitely thought I heard it, which is kind of interesting. Well, you you had said there was, um, I don't recall, uh, but we were basically arguing about Genesis. I want to say six, but I don't think it is because I think that's the nine. nine? Six is the start of the flood. Nine is the end. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking that six was Noah. but um, And I was like, I don't see it there. And you were like, well, clearly Daniel doesn't think there should be any kind of government at all. Oh, okay. I could see that. I, I, I don't understand how. Oh, I, I mean, I could see how that would play in my mind to go from how it could have seemed to me like you were saying, I don't see it in the Bible. And you were intending to, like, what you meant was, I don't see it here in the Bible. And what I heard was, I don't see it in the Bible. I think I even said I saw it in Romans, though. And you were like... Af- afterwards. Uh, but you, then you wrote the notes afterwards, didn't you? The note in our show notes? I haven't done that one yet, I don't think. That was where I saw that you thought I didn't have a biblical warrant for government. Or I didn't see one in the in huh. the Bible. It doesn't matter. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I don't... It doesn't matter. Yeah. For everybody who was on our non-podcast, uh, specifically you, James... All of that audio was unusable because of, um, I won't say whose children, but because of children almost entirely and everybody just talking over each other and audio different, uh, audio starting at different times. was really difficult too, because Kyle, when you jumped in after you had been on mute for a while, uh-huh. it just ignored that entire section. Interesting. And then, and then, uh, David came on a little bit later, left early and something cut out either with the, uh, what do you call it? The, like, it, it interrupted somewhere in the middle, maybe because of his internet connection. Uh-huh. And then um, I think Tyler left a little bit before. But so so I the I spent an hour and a half trying to get the timing right. Mm-hmm. And just no dice. I was just, yeah, I just gave up eventually. And there was not very much good conversation anyway. I think there might, I mean, not for this medium. I'm not saying it wasn't a good conversation. Just too many inside jokes. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of inside jokes and very offensive things that were said by all. I just don't feel like publishing that. Anyway. Um, yeah. Not how that are you? Anyone we know says offensive things. I do. Yeah. So you say offensive things. I say offensive things. David says offensive things. Tyler doesn't. He's in the clear. And James is pretty good. Although James did spend way too long on his recipe. That was. It was so in depth. You asked for it. <laughs> I did, but you see, yours was about as long as mine. I think you knew I was joking a little bit more than than other people did. I mean, I was, I wasn't. I really appreciate all the recipes that were shared at that time, but that was like the that was the only um, usable section. You want to publish one with just us saying our recipes? It's up to you, man. This is this is my deal. You, all you do is talk. You used to do transcripts. Yeah. 
I got in the middle of three of them mm -hmm. and then haven't made any progress since then. Is that a, just haven't tried to make progress or is there something you're stuck on? I just haven't tried to make progress. So you gave up. Yeah. <laughs> it's I all right. distracted by other things. Yeah. Like hunting for deer. I actually haven't gotten to do too much of that yet. Um, it's more like, it's more like planning a bachelor party for my brother. Okay. And running a bachelor party for my brother and doing design work for James. For some reason, I thought he was, um, I thought he wasn't getting married for a little while. December? A month? That's not even a month. That's two weeks. Today's the 13th. Well, it's a month from now. Oh, I see. Yeah, no, I don't know. Maybe it's somebody else who got engaged recently that I'm thinking of. Although I don't know that many people who are doing that anymore. My sister got engaged today. Oh, that's exciting. Mm -hmm. Congratulations, Kyle's sister. Well, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah? Why's that? Um, well, it's sort of funny. Uh, actually, at my brother's bachelor party, I was supposedly exposed to COVID along with everyone else. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, we're all now working from home or one guy came over and he's doing a quarantine party with, with another guy who was there. But um, it's, uh, it's been pretty funny because the guy who tested positive, he's just had um, a cold. He has nine people who are close contacts of him for mm -hmm. various reasons. And so far, I think six of the people have gotten test results back and they've all been negative. Uh, buddy, a buddy of mine, his daughter got COVID and they didn't realize it. Uh huh. And they all just, you know, they live together and nobody else got it. Yeah. In the house, there was three others. They're probably wearing masks. I don't think so. Well, th so the study that was used for um, de de basically determine the eff efficacy of the tests. It went through that last night with one of the guys who was there. And the, the basis for the study, I guess, was looking at different um, study, different studies. So it was a meta study on all these different studies that had had um, people who had gotten COVID in the, in the same household and then looked at what the rate was at which other people got COVID mm -hmm. from people in their household. And it was, depending on the study, between 11% and 44% of close contacts in a household got COVID. So does this guy have nine people who live with him? No. Okay. So they're close contacts for other reasons as well. Yeah. As well as his household, if he yeah. presumably has some of them. Yeah. Okay. Well, my father-in-law just got COVID. It's not very funny, he said. He's in his 60s? No. He's in his uh, 50s, early 50s. Yeah. I mean, but that's the weird thing about it is like some people get it and it's just, it knocks them out. Um, and other people get it and they don't even know. Mm. Yeah. I mean, he does seem all right. He's just right. not very happy. I think he's, yeah. he doesn't have a, he doesn't have a fever, but he's got a headache or, and he's pretty congested. Like he just seems like a really bad, like almost sinus infection or bad cold or something. Right. It's like a flu right. without the, the temperature. But yeah. The other interesting thing was at, so I was reading a study on, I mean, you've probably read the study on, on the heart damage from COVID, right? Uh, no, I've read headlines for it though. So does that count? No. Um, unless you're a millennial. Oh, I am. And so are you. Yeah. But as I was, so the first time I read through the study, I didn't know as much about the different types of heart damage. And they went and researched that a little bit and went back and reread the study. Um, and it was interesting to me because at first I thought, oh, wow, they found 78, 78 out of the 100 people had heart damage, right? Mm -hmm. And then you go through and look at what they listed out as heart damage. And there are, there are a couple interesting things that popped up. One is that they really didn't see any change in ejection fraction in all these people, which is the measurement of 
essentially how efficiently your heart is working. What was that um, phrase you used? Ejection fraction. Hmm. Okay. So it's the fraction of how much blood is pumped out of the heart each each beat. Okay. Um, and so you can imagine if your heart's doing poorly, it's going to pump out less blood each beat. So it's going to sort of pool up. And that's why we have the phrase congestive heart failure, because essentially your, your heart is getting congested. I and have no when, idea. That's when you get down to about 20% ejection fraction. So you're only <laughs> pumping out 20% of the total volume with each beat. A normal person is right around 65%. Makes sense. Sure. Um, and so I had seen that term in there, and then I had asked a doctor about that term and he'd kind of gone through it and he'd point out that COVID's one of many viruses that, that can impact ejection fraction. Um, so they have seen that, but then we went back and reread the study and they actually didn't notice any change in the people they studied, which albeit that was a very small sample. Was um, it only a hundred people? Yeah, it was only, it was a hundred, it was a hundred people who had had COVID and a hundred people who had not had COVID. So, and this gets to kind of the second the second aspect of this, which is that there wasn't really any change, any um, decrease in ejection fraction from a healthy person. But when you looked at the two populations, there was, um, I believe, both there was evidence of scarring on the heart in the in seventy eight of the people who had COVID. That seems bad to me. And there was to varying degrees. Kyle, can you confirm is scarring of the heart bad? It would seem so. Yeah. Okay. Like it's not like it's not a thing that necessarily like you. It's not a thing you want on your heart. Okay. Um. But what was sort of annoying to me about the study was they said they had two um, representative. They, the control group was a representative sample as compared to the um, group of people who had COVID. What do you call that? There's control and this study population. Sure. Okay. All right. So is it you? you... Um, that's not that's not the term, but no, no, no. But the, so so what they were saying was that the control population and non-control population were had the same attributes, um, and they were when it came to age. Like they both centered around fifty years old, plus or minus fifteen years. Um, but what they didn't do is they didn't go out and find a cohort of the control group that had similar rates of diabetes and obesity to the non-control group was the control group like a bunch of triathletes and the others were i don't know <laughs> i don't think they're triathletes but they didn't have um they, they had a note that uh the one difference here is that none of our control people had diabetes or obesity but um some of our uh non-control people did so mm. i hear that and i go okay so you had 22 people who came out of COVID scot-free. Perfectly fine. Yeah. And then a certain percentage of the people, which you didn't document um, in your paper, came out and had scarring. But we don't know how many of those people had scarring because of COVID and how many of those people had scarring because of other lifestyle factors. So are you saying that they went, they, 78 people had scarring, not necessarily because of COVID. Like they didn't know that they didn't have it. They don't know that they didn't have it before. Right. Okay. Right. Mm. Well, that seems problematic. I mean, it seems likely that a number of those people did have scarring. Did? Because of COVID. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just given the numbers, I can't imagine 78 of them were either obese or... I mean, it is, it is a study on Americans, so maybe 78 of them were obese or had diabetes. I mean, aren't isn't the like, regular number like 50% of 
of people? It's scary high, especially if we're going to be paying for it as taxpayers. Yeah. Uh, so if it affects your wallet, it's scarier than if it doesn't. Not if they're suffering. I guess I guess you want people to be free to make their own damaging lifestyle choices. Right. That makes sense. And yeah. Hmm. Well, and then also not to have the, the other the other thing this impacts is if you do have um sorry, this is kind of a bit of a rabbit trail, but what we do is rabbit trails. Right, but we've gotten feedback that we should not rabbit trail so much. I disagree with that feedback. Just saying. you you like the rabbit trails. I I think um, you know somebody want to, wanting to participate in a conversation with us that we're having uh-huh. is actually a very good sign, not a sign that we're not um, being focused enough. And see, we did it again. We're, so now we're talking about something else. But that's the kind of the nature of our conversation. I don't, mm-hmm. um, you know, we didn't go over Lord of the Rings this time. I do have a I do have a transition noise now, so so that'll get used maybe. Um, nice. But yeah, no, no, no. I, I we can talk about. Let's talk about feedback. Let's talk about feedback in its specific slot. Okay. You can finish your your rabbit trail about this um, COVID study. Um. So the rabbit trail off of the COVID study has to do with uh, single payer healthcare, um, being based off of uh, a general the general population because. In order to facilitate a single payer system, which can, I mean, we it's we've seen it work in places like Britain, Europe, I mean, Canada, most. What does single payer system mean? Does that mean the government pays for it? It doesn't have to be the government, but essentially, you have a monopoly on a third party payer for your healthcare. So there's one you the whole population of a group or country pays into a pot, and then out of that pot doctors and medical staff are paid um, from that third party. So the idea would be like in our paycheck, the same way that we have social security taken out now, we would have a healthcare item and everybody in the entire United States who received uh, taxable income would pay into that. Yes. Probably as a line item on their paycheck, something yes. like I that. I mean, we already do that for Medicaid, right? Or Medicare, it's Medicare. Yeah, okay. So you're saying a single payer works in some systems, but I think you're going to a place where you think it wouldn't work very well here. Well, I could see it causing, it, it just leads to consequences I, I personally don't want, which is that a doctor looks at, looks at me and my health and, and then looks at the average and goes, you are here relative to the average. Therefore, this is how I'm going, I'm going, to, how I'm going to treat you not because I know you and your situation, but because I know how your numbers relate to the average and the fastest way for me to treat you is to um, just assess you based on the average, not assess you assess you based off of you. Why do you think that he or she would do that? Efficiency. Well, you So you think that doctors would, do you have evidence of this happening in single payer systems already? Is that is that an experience that you've read about or heard about or... Is this you just um, intellectualizing what you think would happen based on? This is me relaying. I haven't read about other single payer systems. Um, I mean, I do know that Canada has a ridiculously long line when you I want. Mean, yeah. For, for elective stuff. Well, for stuff that's deemed elective. So example, I, I have a friend who in, in the UK, his dad was had a heart procedure and he got delayed for like nine months because that was viewed. It wasn't viewed as an emergency. Like mm-hmm. he could have had a heart attack at any time, but unless he was having a heart attack, they weren't going to do the surgery until it fit into the schedule. Yeah. 
Well, and I know, um, gosh, it was like a buddy, well, a teacher's buddy had, there was like this, some weird law in Canada. They were up at Whistler and mm-hmm. he had a skiing accident and the doctor couldn't give him morphine because of some Canada law or something like that. Maybe it wasn't even morphine. Maybe it was like hydrocodone or something like that. Mm-hmm. Some, some, But he had like, he had broken a bone. He was in a lot of pain. It was like, it might've even been a, I don't remember if the name is like external fracture where it's sticking through. Anyway, we couldn't give him morphine. And my teacher was basically like, you can't give him morphine. I see the morphine there. What happens if I steal it from you right now and give it to him? And they were like, we can't do anything about that. And so he did. And this was, <laughs> this was 25 years ago or something. But, uh-huh. you know, it, yeah. So I know that there's, you know, there's there's weird stuff up there. And like, you know, an elderly person, it's not an emergency if they need a hip replacement usually. Right. But it's definitely a quality of life thing. I don't think that a single payer system is perfect, but mm-hmm. I do know we spend more money on healthcare than any other nation in the world. Right, right. And maybe that's because we all eat too much. I don't know. And I think that could be part of it. Um, maybe we should start limiting people's food intake. No more buffets. Portion sizes. I mean, you know, you could. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the tack New York has taken with soda, right? They've started taxing soda like cigarettes. Yeah, and New York is way skinnier than it used to be. It's working. Have you seen the data on that? Or are you joking? I'm joking. Sorry. I'm tired. So my jokes don't, my eyes don't light up the way they usually do when I'm making a joke. I mean, that would be really cool if if they actually had that data. Um, But the thing is, is I I think that both you and I probably disagree on the government's role in um, monitoring our health and deciding what, uh, what healthy choices we should or shouldn't make. Okay. What is... I'm, what is your position on that? Or what are, what are you thinking? I of? think you, no, 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 no. I, I'm thinking that you and I disagree with New York having the right, the government having oh, the right oh, to say, got it. I think you and got I agree it. that the government should not say, Daniel, you probably shouldn't eat so much um, chips and soda or whatever. Like, I don't, I don't know that I would disagree with the government placing a economic burden, putting friction in the way of that and saying, Why you can that? choose. You can choose to do this, but it's going to cost you. How does the Constitution give the government the right to determine whether we make healthy choices or not, or even to benefit when we make what could be construed as unhealthy decisions? Um, this goes back to, I mean, I mean, I, I agree with that point, and I think you're spot on. And I think this kind of goes back to, are we going towards the ideal? And I think the ideal would be that the government would not do stuff like that. Um, where I think we are at right now is the fact that the government is taking a, a more significant role in um, programs and uh, government funded uh, government funded programs that are associated with healthcare and, and healthy living. And so, if we're going to if we're going to let the government into programs like Medicare and Medicaid then it is the government's business to try and enforce um, or encourage, I hesitate to use the word enforce, uh, to encourage. Enforce through economics. I mean, economics would be their main use of force in this situation. They're not, they're not going to physically. But I mean, it, it doesn't actually change cigarettes, cigarette smoking, right? Say again? It doesn't actually change cigarette smoking. It just builds up a pot to be used on people when they're on. Did you say builds up pot? Builds up a pot. Oh, to be used to help people to pay for the care for people who have oh that's not what they're using that money for no it's just a piggy bank that would be the ideal i know that would be the ideal but that's not reality well 
I mean, take the new law in um, Oregon that legalized hard drugs. The idea there is the money will be used for um, rehabilitation. Are they legalizing selling of it? No. Uh, sorry. De- decriminalized. Decriminalized. So what do you, when you, like, where's this extra money coming from? The possession. Like you said, increased money, right? From decriminalizing uh, hard drugs. Um, let's see here. So if they're having to spend less money on police, right? the police would keep that money. They're not going to give that portion of the budget back. I think they're taking budget away from the police for patrolling that and putting it towards rehabilitation programs. They already don't have enough money. <laughs> Welcome to Portland. I just, I just, so is that the only place they're taking it from? Because presumably there would be money saved in a bunch of different places, unless they're going to have a big surplus, like keep things exactly the same, but that's just not how budgets work. Have you seen the documentary, The Office, where Michael has more like two or 3,000 extra dollars at the end of the year? And like, if he doesn't use it, then it gets cut, then it gets cut. He gets a bonus, but then it gets cut and they can't use it next year. And so he's Mm -hmm. trying to figure out whether he wants to buy a new chair or a new, like new chairs for everybody or a copy or something. I don't remember. Uh Um, Like that's a, that's a, you know, a farcical representation of what actually happens. If I can, if I can use that word in that way, I have no idea. It just seemed to fit. So I'm going to use it. No, I think that's the correct use there. Um, But yeah, if a government, you know, agency doesn't use budget or it's not explicitly take taken away because responsibilities are taken away. Like mm-hmm. in this example with the, but you would have like, you probably already have a contract with the jail that to house a certain amount of inmates, even though that the inmates, you know, or prison mates are, are going to be less. Mm-hmm. It's not like their contract is going to decrease. So yes, there's money saved, but then it's just like extra budget to do other things in the jail. Like mm-hmm. make them a playground or something, whatever they do for whatever they do with extra money. I don't know. Like you'd have to take money from a bunch of different places that supposedly. And also are they, so is it legal to sell hard drugs in Oregon now? No, no, no. That's, that's why I rephrased it too. They decriminalized the possession of a certain amount of hard drugs. Okay. So they're not expecting money the way that they expected from pot in Washington. I see. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, if you have, more than that, ostensibly, it'll be a misdemeanor with a $100 fine. If you have more than a certain amount of just, you know, medicinal use. Heroin, cocaine. Yeah. Meth. I was actually reading, um, I probably told you about this. I found it fascinating. I didn't realize that Coca-Cola used to be made with Coke and wine. And wine. That's interesting. Yeah, it was it was cocaine and wine. And he was really excited. The, the owner or the, the inventor of it um used it to break his opiate addiction okay <laughs> and um yeah anyway it was just, just kind of interesting uh-huh. there's, there's a long interesting story that goes along with that but i don't i don't remember the whole thing so i'm not going to try to um yeah just essentially using one one addiction to break another well how else are you doing still doing it or do you want to get back to do you want to talk about do you want to talk about our feedback um it's up to you i mean what i've been doing mostly recently is reading a lot and had some good conversations about how we should think about government moving forward, especially in an, an era that's so where thought is so driven by clickbait and polarization mm. that's in, that's um, brought on by those um, just very shallow thoughts about the other side that leads to um, demonization of the other, but then also the concern about how can we actually have elections if everyone is being pulled down a rabbit hole 
of engagement on social media. And that engagement is driven by being um, more and more pulled in the direction of the side you're already on. And so you, there's, there's less and less held in common. Hmm. What do you think the most, like, actually, I'll just say, I think the most important thing is to like, okay, let's pretend that there's zero social media for a moment. Uh-huh. We're going to play pretend. And specifically zero social media that's driven by nope. profit off of engagement. Well, sure. Okay. Let's just say, you know, this is make believe land. Mm-hmm. And and I'm going to I'm going to actually going to push that to no social media. This is pre-2000. Okay. And Kyle, what would you do to, you know, you, you see that there's this problem in our society. You see it in the news or whatever, you know, however you engage with with the, the stories of the day. Mm-hmm. How would you change people's minds or do something about that? Because I think I think social media has shown that it's it's actually not very effective for for changing anything. It's it's kind of like um, amplifies. Yeah, sure. It amplifies, but you you feel like you're doing something and there's actually no like productive um, output that comes from it. It's a it's a oh, yeah, I see the side of it you're going after. Yeah, you 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 post a thing and you say this is outrageous. That's actually I, I read somewhere that that's the most common kind of um, like that gets the most shares that gets the most likes most that gets the viral. most views. Yeah, sure. Outrage. Um, and then even though there's this injustice, let's just, let's say it's a legitimate outrage, mm-hmm. nothing like you did a thing. It's kind of like making a plan and feeling good that you made a plan and like, man, I was productive. Right. Yeah. R- r- really? No, you just like did nothing actually. Mm-hmm. So, so pre pre social media, what would you do to change people? And I, you know, I think there's kind of two, there's like a, a natural, a natural growth that would go from you you know, you got to make sure that your your life is in order. If your life isn't in order, then you're not going to be able to affect anybody's life around you in a positive way because mm-hmm. you're just bringing chaos. When your life is in order, then you can affect. And, you know, once you, you can um, like share your ideas that you have practiced and shown to like have order and, you know, like to not be chaotic, like to have order and, you know, and maybe there is some chaos still because, because, you know, we live in a, in a chaotic world and you have this, you know, I remember one of our, one of our first podcasts, we talked about like what was in our sphere of influence. And there's mm-hmm. these kind of like, you know, how much do you, you know, if there's some, somebody on the, on the street and they're like, Hey, uh, I think that, uh, I think that Allah is God and not mm-hmm. Jesus. We would be like, you're free to have that opinion. And, you know, maybe we discuss for a little bit, but then, but then because we're not involved in their lives at all, we just separate and go our ways. And I, you know, you mm-hmm. may, maybe never have that conversation with them again. Mm-hmm. But if your wife says that, then you're gonna like let's put it on break. Investment there. There's a huge, yeah. There's a huge, like huge difference in how much mm-hmm. that affects you and um and what you have a sphere of influence over. And so, like, I think that the people in my life that I can affect is maybe twenty, maybe mm-hmm. ish. You know, and most of that's family. And then, and then there's a few other people besides that. And maybe that trickles down into like you know, my close friends, kids, maybe there's some effect there as well, but that's not going to be direct. That's not going to be in the same way. You know, I don't know. What I'm hearing here is that it's a much slower process. Absolutely. And it's also more in line. I mean, that process is more in line with how we've operated historically. Mm -hmm. And so we've taken our brains that are uh, used to operating a certain way and we've suddenly given them a way for exponential amplification. 
a means for exponential amplification. And we've suddenly been exposed to things that are exponentially amplified. And we're still, we still have the same deliberate slow brain. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And um, like, I don't know if you've ever seen this YouTube I, or I might have it might have just been somebody telling me about it but it would like the image is like burned into my mind where social media is essentially a bunch of people walking like in a playground or like a you know outside on the streets just shouting their thoughts you know and nobody's really listening but right. you're just you're everyone just shouting everyone shouting and if you want to actually like engage and have a conversation with somebody we've known like it was a joke in college to have facebook arguments and maybe people are more argumentative in college anyway. I don't know. Uh -huh. But like, if you want to have a real conversation, like you have to sit down and look them in the face. Right. And, and I think that you forget on social media that your words mean things. And that, you know, if you're going to call somebody a name, you better at least be able to look them in the eye while you do it. Mm -hmm. And then see how they react and see that you hurt them. And that, that you don't want to do that because it feels really crappy, like in general, right? Not that mm -hmm. you or I call people names often. I don't think that I call people names, but. Oh, I thought, I thought you were going to say in general, as in there are certain times when you should call people names and beat them down. No, I just meant like, you know, there's like, so I work in the construction industry mm -hmm. and people use harsh words a lot. And I don't just mean like swearing. I mean, mm -hmm. they. Be called out. Yeah. So uh, recently one of our. One of our subcontractors called our superintendent. Uh, like he was really mean in a text. Uh -huh. oh, I'm sorry. Speaking of texts, what's that? Speaking of texts, yeah, I've got my phone on silent now. Um, but it was like he. I don't think that he'd do that to his face, which was kind of interesting. Now that I'm, I'm thinking about that. Yeah. But even as harsh as it is, you don't. You still don't call like people are actually still pretty, pretty polite in person. Uh -huh. And this, you know, it's not always that way but it's but as a general rule yeah definitely and part of it is that like you i don't know this is like oh, some of the guys that i work with have been around where like if you say the wrong thing like 20 years ago you'd come to blows uh, on the right. job site and get kicked off a job or not necessarily it's kind of like well yeah you, you know you talk that way of course that kind of happened and that wasn't that long ago yeah anyway um did we did we talk about the story of John Law on here last time? Or is I not last time, that's for sure. We didn't talk about much. But did you mean on, on episode nine? Yeah. We talked about no, because I cause that, that time we talked about um how to be happy. Oh, that's happy, right. Happy, happy, happy. Yeah. Who's John Law? Tell me about John Law. So it's this crazy story, and now I'm trying to remember where oh, it was it was on an NPR's Planet Money, mm -hmm. um, that podcast. And so if people want to go learn a little bit more they can go there um i'm just gonna relay the story i heard there but i really want to read about this guy because he sounds absolutely fascinating so he's this scottish guy from a were they interviewing him sorry uh so he's the scottish guy from the 1700s so no okay john law go on and 16 1700s and he was from a upper middle class family his his dad was a goldsmith and moved to london lived a profligate life eventually ended up in a duel with a guy, killed the guy, was tried for murder. Um, he managed to escape and ended up in France. But instead of lying low in France, he actually um, made a very large living being a pharaoh dealer. So um, running, running 
uh, a gambling game. And when you say Pharaoh, what do you mean? Is that a game? Pharaoh is a Pharaoh is the name of a game. Yeah. Oh. And he he had been reading up on or been exposed to some early probability statistics and realized that the house always wins in this game. So he decided to be the house and um, did quite well and eventually became friends with the um, essentially the Lord Protector of France at the time because the the king was a five year old boy. Mm. And so he became friends with this duke. And in the course of that relationship, he and the he convinced the duke to let him start the first bank of France with paper money because France was in trouble at the time because they didn't have enough gold and silver to pay their armies. So John Law said, hey, um, like when my dad was a goldsmith, um, he would sometimes just give people would give them their gold kind of like at a bank and then he would give them paper money to, and people would trade around their their paper certificate saying, I have this much gold with each other and while keeping the gold locked away safely. So it was sort of a way of um, protecting your, your gold and sort of like the way we use debit cards nowadays, the money's all in a server somewhere. And then- mm -hmm. Much like crypto. Well, that's like the next stage. Mm -hmm. Anyway. But at any rate, he starts up this bank in France and gets helped by the Duke who says, everyone in France must pay their taxes, not in gold and silver, but instead of in notes from this bank. <laughs> so everyone trades in their gold and silver for, for, bank, for these bank notes. And then um, people start using the bank notes around France. And then John Law goes, well, this isn't enough. Uh, I see he'd spent some time in, in Holland and had seen the Dutch um, doing really well with their trading company, the East India Company. And so he goes, France is going to have the largest trading company in the world, and I'm going to run it. And in order to get that through, he, um, the Duke's name was Orleans. So he said, we're going to go to America and we're going to name this port, the port of Novella Orleans. Mm -hmm. Which is, uh, yeah, New Orleans. Okay. Unfortunately, things didn't go super well in the new world. People eventually, he, or he eventually figured it out. He tried to paper over it by just buying a whole bunch of shares back. People thought this is really weird that he's trying to buy all our shares back. And so there was a run on the bank. He didn't have enough um, gold. Basically ended up going broke as a result. Mm. But um, the point of it was our modern monetary system is basically uh, the, the core foundation of it is, is rooted in this system that yeah, he was running back then in france hmm, that's interesting i was expecting the duel to come back into it no he left england totally fine you did some you said some yeah i was like foreshadowing but it but it wasn't is it red no it, it, i mean it made me think of it because you're talking about coming to blows um oh sure i see why do you think in america people don't do that more often uh punch each other in the face yeah um i mean i think we're a pretty lawsuit happy group and so i think there's that's part of it we're also like in a culture of sensitivity like people are i would say a lot more passive aggressive than they are outright hostile like even when people would it be healthier to be in a more openly hostile mm, i do think it'd be helpful for people to have um like you've heard you've heard of about kind of the dichotomy between truth and love mm -hmm. right you can have too much truth you can have too much love but you're actually not being super truthful if you're saying it without any love is mm -hmm. i think actually true um but i think people are so 
especially in professional environments, concerned about losing their livelihood over saying something that somebody else doesn't like, that mm-hmm. they just don't say anything at all. For sure. Uh, but, you know, like, for example, in our Bible study, um, like, we've had some difficult conversations, and they're, diff- they're like, they're not very fun, you know. And people, especially, I would say, in the last maybe 15 years, maybe maybe 10 um, don't have as much experience with interpersonal communication as they do with cell phones, basically texting. And just like I know people, I know I, I've dealt with uh, quite a few people who will refuse a call but will text. Hmm. And even my um, like my father-in-law, he will take a phone call, mm-hmm. and I don't think that my mother-in-law likes it when I call her because she's just not used to it. She doesn't talk on the phone with people very much. Hmm. I don't think she's like she she I don't think she would refuse a phone call from me, but. It's just like, it's just very different. Whereas like, I talk with my parents fairly often on the phone um, and even my sister, but I don't know that my wife ever calls her siblings ever, uh-huh. but I also only have one. I don't know if that makes any difference. Does she call her parents? No, never. Does your wife? Does she text with them? Yeah. So yeah. Does your wife call her parents or your, well, probably not your oh, parents, yeah. but she calls hers. Yeah. And her siblings. Do you ever talk to? She, she's, she's been doing FaceTime quite a bit with with them yeah when when the pandemic started we did facetime quite a bit maybe we'll do it again now that now that my um uh father-in-law has covid we haven't seen them in a little while i mean if you get it then you're good for three months right i don't want covid kyle do you want covid have you already had it nothing do you want it because i can give you his address i would want it i would want it more if it had more than a three-month expiration are you sure that it only has a three-month expiration or is that that that's just what they know that's the latest that's the latest science is is the immunity if you get a good dose of it basically immunity lasts for about three months if you get a good dose so like if you, does that mean you have to have like actual like symptoms that that's that's kind of what they're saying it, it has to have replicated enough in your body which is generally evidenced by the symptoms mm, okay in order to stimulate the immune response that you have enough of that in you to weather the storm. Of course, the catch being that um, sometimes the storm the first time is enough that when you get it the second time, it kills you. So there is that. Yeah, there's, there's going to be risks no matter what, Kyle. It sounds like everybody should get the COVID, be done with it, and then whoever dies, dies. I um, I was talking to somebody at work, and he was like, uh-huh. you know, it's it's probably just better if the old people die from it, and then, and then we'll be done. We can all just go back to living normal. And then I was like, my father-in-law just got COVID and he was like, Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh-huh. And like, he like switched from everybody should just die who isn't strong enough to, Oh my gosh, is he okay? Uh-huh. I was like, that's weird. That is weird. He's a funny, he's a funny guy. I like him, but he's, he's, I don't know. Yeah. That, that reminds me of a um, James, you know, who James White is, if you heard him, his name mm-hmm. come up in yeah. Bible study and stuff. He, I was, is he the, is he like David Chinewin's, like biker theology dude um like uh rides yeah for bikes no like bicycles james white like over like he has a podcast and he he does apology apologetics yes yes okay yeah so actually actually she needed sent me a uh rant of his from after the after the election mm. what election are you talking about the presidential election oh yeah yeah, yeah. i remember that now um i'm gonna cut that <laughs> And I'm because, gonna get a more liberal co- co-host, somebody who's just a little more centrist and you know doesn't listen to Newsmax. Kyle doesn't listen to James White. Um, anyway, all right, James White was, is ranting, and and you yeah, but it it he said some things 
and referenced his Twitter feed. So I thought, huh, I wonder what he's been tweeting about. And mm. he tweets a lot. Um, I was really surprised to see how often he tweets. I'm not surprised. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm not as aware of what he's he's up to. But the only reason I'm not surprised is because of how he talks and how work, worked up he, he gets. He's like, he's oh, practically at a Trump a level of, of tweeting of like yes. worked upness at stuff. Yes. Anyway, yes. I'm, I'm pretty sure he probably does like tweet storms, like where he'll tweet a lot and then it'll, you know, there'll be big waves. Okay. Unless he just tweets a lot all the time. I've, I don't know. I didn't, I mean, I didn't pay too close of attention to the dates, but it seemed like it was just continuous 27th, 26th, 25th, 24th, 23rd, um, going back in the dates. Mm. Okay. Well, maybe he just, Maybe he's just a tweeter. But I came across this one where he was retweeting, I think, the White House press secretary. And she had tweeted something about how one of the guys on on Biden's, I almost said, oh, Biden. Um, <laughs> one of the guys on Biden's uh, health uh, policy staff had written about how he wants to, like, he wants to die at 75 or something like that. And so I, I thought, that's really interesting. So I is that the former Secretary of Health or um is the Indian guy? I don't remember his name. I've listened to him in a podcast. I liked him a lot. He's he's not he's not Indian. He's he's a white guy. Okay. Well this this particular guy. Anyway, all right. And so I thought that's really interesting. I wonder because they, they were kind of promoting it as see um Biden wants to kill people over 75. Um and Isn't he's going Biden to like, almost 75? He's 77. Um, so. so he's not even going to make it. Like, they're just going to have to get him. Oh, I mean, that that came up on the rant about how Biden probably isn't even going to be installed as president. Um, you don't think? I'm saying that came up on the rant during the rant. Mm, James said that. Yes. Okay. Right. And and so I, I read the Atlantic article and it was it wasn't that, as you might have guessed, I mean, the title was something like why I don't want to live past 75, but it was all about how the statistics show that quality of life significantly decreases after 75. So up until 75, he's going to take a very proactive, um, I guess, stance on his health. And if, if he's recommended uh, different treatments, he'll, he'll take them. But then after 75, he's going to be a lot more hands-off and rather than um so so after he turned 75 if if he got cancer or something like that instead of being treated for it he would let things run their course and just live his life and until did he talk at all about assisted suicide he did talk about assisted suicide and he was definitely in well he wouldn't say he was in favor of assisted suicide but it was the semantic that it was the it was the semantic game where he was saying that he's not in favor of assisted suicide, but he is in favor of, he does believe we need to do a better job of giving people um, options to die with dignity. No. Oh, yeah. That's okay. Whatever. That's, that's exactly the same thing. I had a professor in college who he um, was giving us examples of um, like persuasive. It was a speech class mm-hmm. and it was a persuasive, persuasive speech. He was good. He was a good speaker. Um, yeah. And well practiced. Yeah. He was very practiced. He knew his material very well. And he gave us a speech about why, um, basically why he thinks that that assisted suicide was, you know, and at least in this case, 
and should should be allowed generally why it would have would have been a positive thing mm-hmm. and it was just like we didn't know what he was talking about for the first five minutes of the seven minute right. speech because he was just telling a story and then right. and then he wrapped up with his like it was like it was an emotional story mm-hmm. and i was like you tricked me and i shouted that and then i threw my book at him so aggressive no pat no passive aggressiveness i know yeah outwardly hostile outwardly hostile that's me default default aggressive good you want to talk about our feedback from our our unhappy first uh what like number one fan on youtube it was actually from two fans two fans who else uh another guy who's listened to all our episodes oh well maybe you know now i feel like i need to rethink i I also got feedback that people like the name palace lizards from who Um, you have to tell me names from a uh one of them was Isaac. He liked palace lizards? Yeah. Okay. Well, we're not rebranding now. I already bought you a coffee mug. No, I didn't. But Speaking of which, I, I still owe you for something the, the website. Yeah. You should, you should send me a request on Square. And then I'll... All right. I can do that. Uh, okay. Well. Speaking of which, Square has been going through the roof stock price-wise because of their investment in Bitcoin, which is also flying off the chain. Oh, is it? Yeah. Not surprised. It's where it's all going. People are tired of the Fed printing money. Fiat currency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is interesting because it's essentially I was I was thinking about how if you trade options in crypto, it, it almost simplifies your your taxes to a certain degree because you don't pay taxes on anything that as long as it stays in crypto. Mm-hmm. So if you were trading options in a brokerage account, um you'd have to pay tax you'd have to add up all your all your wins and subtract out all your losses and at the end of the year you'd settle up so you which i guess isn't that big of a deal but so you pay taxes on unrealized gain and loss well i mean if you're trading options you, every time you buy or sell those those would be realized i they see would be realized I was thinking that you meant like if I have a thousand dollars in a mutual investment fund, uh-huh. then you would somehow I don't know. No, you only pay taxes on realized gains. Okay. Um, but if you're trading options, I mean, for, then you for are. us, you're going to have if you have long-term capital gains, your cap long-term capital gains rate is going to be like zero percent for the first seventy some seventy-five thousand mm. dollars of long-term capital gains. So if you hold your stocks for a year and then let's say you had enough in the stock market that it appreciated $75,000, you could sell it, pay no taxes on those gains, reinvest it in those same stocks and let it grow another 75,000 next year or however long. Cool. Well, not in the next year because it it wouldn't be long-term capital gains yet. Hmm. Well, okay. So Kyle, I've gotten two feedback that say you guys need to focus up. Yep. What should we focus on? So what's that? What should we focus on? Yeah, that's the question. So what do you want the format to be? So we had a, we had a kind of loose format mm-hmm. and um, maybe it feels scattered to our wide group of listeners. So what do you want this to look like? I think um, we could, we could start with what's good right? from what we've already got. So we have, we have feedback, which we have very little of, but you know, we're going for it, right? Yeah. So we have feedback. We've got book club right now. We've got big questions. We could probably drop Lord of the Rings. I mean, I'm... You're most of the way through it at this point, right? I am most of the way through it. And it's just not that exciting to talk about, in my opinion. We can talk about the like overarching themes uh, when I finish, if you'd like. But so... Yeah, I'm fine with dropping that. Okay. All right. I'll never talk about that again. 
No. Um, so yeah. So do, is there, is there one of those that like, do, do we want to start the podcast with a, a question? I'm not hundred percent sure that all of this conversation about what our podcast should look like will end up on it, but maybe it will. Um, like, do you want to start off the podcast with a question? That, that I, I'd be interested in at least trying that for a few episodes. Okay. Um, what made you think of doing that? Well, because we have the, the you know, one of the sections is called big questions. And okay. what that has basically meant was that I have some questions and we talk about those questions, but it's been right. later in the episode and we don't always get to it. Right. I mean, one of the things I was thinking about was the, the inspiration for this podcast, as I recall, came out of um, our conversation about my career interests where you were essentially uh, interviewing me and, and probing um, my descriptions of experiences I've had professionally mm. to um, better understand, help help me better understand myself. So you would want to do some some of that kind of stuff on here? Yeah, and I'm not sure how we would keep it interesting from the standpoint of like you can only do that to each other so many times before it kind of hits on the same themes right mm -hmm. sure um but i'm curious if that brings up any thoughts in your mind as to what would be interesting to bring over from just that that framework or, or that yeah if we could if we could do that on a regular basis we would have a i would be interested to listen to it like that sounds really exciting to me right but i think you have a pretty good point in in thinking well, that might be difficult to recreate, especially with just the two of us. Right. Um, which does mean that we would probably want to start having guests. Yeah. Uh, so that would be one thing. The other thing is that when we, when we deal with those questions that can, you know, there's, I really enjoy asking thoughtful questions and that's, I mean, that is, uh, our first episode, the very, at the very end of it, like, why do you want to start a podcast or why do you want to have this? Mm some of the the things that that you the way that you think through problems is helpful to me and I think to others to like actually deal with problems and I think over the last maybe five episodes or four episodes we've talked a lot about politics because it's been kind of in the front of our mind right right yeah it's just it's just like right in our face um constantly and uh even now that the election is over um, it's clearly, I mean, we're going to start off the podcast with a, you know, an introduction of some kind and then like, you know, Hey, how you doing? And then we'll, we'll get into a question mm -hmm. and then will that be like just the, the starting off point? Or do you want to have like another question that we do later that's related or not related or I think see how we do with one question. I mean, an, another thing could be, um, book club, but I think we we might be able to get away with just one question and just sort of really dive into that question for an hour. Okay. Yeah, let's try it. And I, uh, that would actually I make mean, um, that would make naming them very easy. Right. They less, right. They would be less free form conversation. So we would. Hmm. I wonder how long, like, what we'll have to do because I, there will be times when you probably see that I'm way off topic, or have lost the thread, or or you know the other way around too. We'll just have to police each other. I think yeah. police ourselves call, okay. call our own fouls. Call our own fouls. Uh, do, yeah. do you have any questions on, on your mind right now for me, uh, what you'd like to go over? Because I think it'd be helpful if we could be thinking about it beforehand. And it's not just sort of like hot take on this question. Right oh, now. sure. 
Yeah, let's not do hot takes. Let's do some research on stuff. That'd yeah. be fun. Man, I was listening to actually let's see those are kyle's notes uh, yeah you actually i mean i think we both have questions that we could discuss already in the, the notes so maybe just that's where i was looking to see if there's anything start there uh i'm getting excited about this yeah me too i, actually. I hope our two listeners are getting excited about this as well i think we have three at least um there's been a few that have been on here that would be a little bit interesting to talk about. Um, they haven't gotten stale yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so one in particular, which which deals with work, but I don't, like you know, I don't know that we could we could center a conversation around it for an hour. But like, if you can reach the seventy fifth percentile in three things, then you're you're in the top point one percent for that thing because mm-hmm. it's difficult to. It's just difficult to do. Um, but being the 75th percentile on any one thing is actually not that difficult. Mm-hmm. That actually ties in with one of the books I've been reading recently, which is The Last Days of Investment, which is basically, spoiler, yourself. They go through and kind of break down what are the valuable things to be to target for being at the 75th percentile and how do you determine that? Ooh, that sounds fascinating. Um, okay. Well, do you want to... So I could bring that book to bear on this question okay i may be done with it by the next time we do the podcast which would be perfect mm-hmm. although i'm, t- I'm tired th- i've actually been applying um naval's podcast to how i'm reading uh a number of these books but but particularly the last safe investment because instead of reading it, it it's really not i mean i guess you could read it but it's like a lot of sort of business personal development books where it's not really written um well well uh, <laughs> it's 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 written it's written in a way that you have some core ideas and a lot of fluff mm. and so i've just been taking a highlighter and going through and 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 marking off the core ideas and then just burning through the rest and not even really reading that but i would like to discuss something around that get to 75th percentile in three areas and maybe it could be what three areas do you think you want to get to be 75th percentile? And we can kind of discuss how to assess what areas would be good to get to 75th percentile in. And then we could sort of try and tease out the areas we see ourselves. Um, oh, yeah. This is already sparking questions for me. So I'll, um, I'm going to assume that's a good one. I'm also going to spend some time thinking about questions that I think that we could spend an hour talking about. Or 45 uh, Give, give or take half an hour? No, no, no. We need to talk more than an hour because I usually cut about 20%. Okay. Because we have long pauses because that's how conversations work, especially when you sometimes you and I will have 30-second long pauses. And it doesn't feel like that when we're having conversations, but we'll have very long pauses. Actually, that came up when uh, Joe Rogan was interviewing a guy who'd worked with Elon Musk at SpaceX. And he said he was in the car with him one one time and he asked Elon a question (laughs) and he said it got kind of awkward because Elon didn't respond. He just was sitting there for a while and he thought that maybe he'd offended him or uh, he just didn't feel like answering or something. And then he came back with a really thoughtful response. So it was just weird to him because people are, people don't normally take the time to really address questions like that. And it was this funny transition or, or pendulum swing from feeling like he'd done something really socially unacceptable to going, wow, like this guy cared enough to be kind of awkward <laughs> to answer my question in a really helpful way. 
Hey, do you remember that time that you recorded a podcast in uh, October and then didn't publish it until end of January? <laughs> that was embarrassing.